0: Reading now from the Gospel according to John. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, Where are you going? because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The risk on these major days of the Christian year is that we can think of them singularly as one-off events. They are so celebrated on their particular day that we might miss the broader meaning. It's Christmas. Jesus is born. It's Easter. Jesus is risen. It's Pentecost. The church is born and the Holy Spirit is given. All true. But also all insufficient. As with all things divine, these days can be packaged a little too neatly. Neatly. Christmas is God entering the world as a child, but we all know that was just the beginning. Pentecost is God entering our world as the spirit. And I hope we know that the effects continue of the years we've got kind of a handle on what to do with Christmas. Watch the boy grow. Listen to the man's teachings, stand in awe of his miracles. Be blessed by his healing, mourn his crucifixion, rejoice in his resurrection. We have all that down. But what do we do with Pentecost? What do we do with the Holy Spirit? I warn you, there's no getting a handle on that. Too often the church operates like this. It's Pentecost Sunday, so we'll read Acts 2, sometimes with a cacophony of sound. We'll acknowledge the mysterious presence of the Holy Spirit, and then the next day, we'll go back to talking about Jesus, talking about him exclusively. We'll talk about something that we know a little better, flesh we can touch, actions we can see, words we can quote. Okay, then. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? This Spirit of God who won't be relegated to a single day in the year. This Spirit of God who won't be relegated in any way. Jesus said, the wind blows where it chooses. I was thinking about this sermon in Whiteville, North Carolina. Everyone should spend a day in Whiteville, North Carolina. When you spend a day in Whiteville, North Carolina, you have time to think about sermons, wind, anything. I sat there on this porch and the breeze blew in. It was a gentle breeze, a relaxing breeze. I watched the ferns play in the breeze. It's a lot of time in Whiteville, North Carolina. I thought about it. The Spirit can be like that, gentle, refreshing, comforting. If the Spirit chooses, that's how that wind can blow. Even so, while I sat there in that gentle breeze, there were people in the Plains States cleaning up after the devastation of tornadoes, preparing for more winds to come. Their lives had been rocked, turned upside down. What they thought mattered most no longer mattered that much. The lives they had been accustomed to just weeks before were now significantly different. And that's how it can be with the Spirit, too. Sometimes shockingly disruptive. And discomforting and actively creating a reality we had never anticipated or wanted. The wind blows where it chooses. As the Spirit blew into that upper room that morning, igniting those disciples, the only way they knew how to describe it was like a rush of a mighty wind with tongues breaking forth like fire. It was chaos uncontrolled, yet purposeful. Despite what you heard this morning, or did not, the disciples were not speaking gibberish that day. They were speaking the Gospel. They were telling the goodness of God, of the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. They were sharing the good news with people who had not heard it in ways that they could hear it. And was all made possible by the Holy Spirit. If the disciples had ears to hear, they would remember that Jesus told them this day was coming. He spoke of the Holy Spirit who would come to testify to us on his behalf. Through the Spirit we would remain connected to Jesus. Learn more about Jesus. Even learn more from Jesus. The Spirit serves as Jesus' ongoing mouthpiece But make no mistake, the Holy Spirit is not merely Jesus' speaker. The Holy Spirit is God at work among us. The Holy Spirit is working in creation, is present in redemption, present in the ongoing recreating and redemption of this world that God so Loves the Holy Spirit is working every day to make the world what God intends for it to be. How well, for one thing, John tells us by convincing the world that it has gotten some things wrong. Jesus told his disciples that when the Spirit arrives, he will prove the world wrong about sin. And righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. This world, in the Gospel of John, is at odds with God's intentions. We might think of this world as a child who just can't get along with the parent he has to do everything his own way even when it is obvious that the parent is telling him a better way there's something stubborn and antagonistic yet still loved about this child if he can get reined in the possibilities for good are endless So what does this wayward child, this world, think about sin and righteousness and judgment? This world thinks it's all up to you and me. For the world, sin is reduced to what's right and what's wrong, doing what's right, avoiding what's wrong. And therefore, all we have to do is make good choices. We'll be fine. No problem. St. Paul, who did not lack fortitude or conviction, said it's a problem. It's not merely a case of us trying a little harder. He was not alone in not understanding his own actions. In not doing the very thing he wanted while doing the very thing thing he hated. Every day, we wrestle with what we know would be right, and our impulse to do the opposite. We need to acknowledge that our brokenness has a tremendous hold on us, and we need to recognize that. Sin is broader than behavior. For John and his gospel, sin is the state of being outside of a believing relationship in Christ. The work of a disciple is to believe. Which might make the rest of us, who think of ourselves as disciples or who wonder what it would be like to be a disciple. How do we come to believe? For John, it's simple. See and hear. When people see the works of God and hear about them, they come to believe. It may not seem that simple to you. Or maybe you felt like it should have been simpler by now. It hasn't been simple or static for me. I doubt plenty. I believe some too. I think about what it is that has helped me come to believe. It's not that I watched someone obey every rule and assumed that they were without sin. No, my faith has grown when I've seen someone participate in the work of God despite his inability to do everything right. I've come to deeper belief when I've watched someone serve another while she's still getting her life together. When I heard that woman sing God's praises, even when the hurts in her life were overwhelming, and that man speak of God, even as he struggled to find the words then my faith grew. Our faith doesn't grow by observing another's perfection. It grows by seeing people's works and hearing of their faith despite their imperfection. It's the Holy Spirit working with them, working through them, bringing righteousness out of them. That's what impresses. And the world might allow this. It's reasonable enough. But what about God's judgment? Isn't judgment proof that God's love is based on our behavior? If you ever watched a parent who's a better buddy to a child than a disciplinarian, does the child seem at ease? Does this future look bright? I don't want my children raised by their peers or by their own immature impulses. Our Heavenly Father doesn't want us raised in immaturity either. Judgment's a way of guiding us, and it's a way of showing us that every bit of our lives. Matters. Even so, God is generous with us. God is not arbitrarily condemning groups of people. Nor is God in a perpetual state of anger. God boldly lets us make choices. Even choices about God. The light has come into the world, John tells us. And the people love darkness rather than light. We've judged ourselves. When we refuse to let the Holy Spirit rework us, when we refuse to let the Holy Spirit awaken us to God's concerns, when we refuse to let the Holy Spirit draw us into God's works, when we refuse to let the Holy Spirit remind us of Jesus' words, we are choosing the darkness of the tyranny of self but for the brightness of a life in God. In our brokenness, we have often chosen the lesser that is familiar over the greater that is challenging. We've kept God at a distance. But God has not been. And God will not be satisfied with that. We have choice, and so does God. God chooses to pursue. God has judged you worthy of pursuit. The Holy Spirit comes along and drives us to choose God, drives us toward faith, Drives out the former ruler of the world. The Holy Spirit has decided He wants to use you. The Spirit is actively seeking to bear faith in you. To speak faith through you. To bring light into the darkness by you. And the Holy Spirit will not be relegated to doing that just one day a year. The job is too big. The stakes are too high. Our God is too determined. Thank God every day the Holy Spirit gets at it. Thank God every day is Pentecost.